0: If you've got a thirst for knowledge that never quits, Brightside Podcasts are just what you need. Whether you're into recent discoveries, space exploration, true stories, or useful tips for self improvement, psychology, gadgets, or just your day to day routine, there's something for everyone. The sinking of the Titanic is, to this day, one of the worst catastrophes to come out of a long chain of unfortunate and untimely events. And that chain that would decide the cruel fate of the great unsinkable ship started with a tiny key. It seemed like such an insignificant little thing. So trivial that the man who had had it with him completely forgot to hand it over to the person who desperately needed it at a critical moment. That man was 37-year-old David Blair, and he was holding the key to the locked cabinet where all the binoculars for the lookouts were stored. And there's nothing unusual about the Keys being with this man, because Blair was to be the Titanic's second officer. He'd worked on the ship during all its test runs, and up until she was ready for departure, he was supposed to be on board for the voyage. But as fate would have it, just before the biggest ship of its time was ready to depart Southampton and head across the Atlantic to New York City, there was a last-minute change of plans. White Star Line, the shipping company that owned the Titanic, decided to replace David Blair with Henry Wilde, the chief officer of the Titanic's sister ship, RMS Olympic. They saw him as a more experienced mariner with better skills of running such large ships. Blair wrote in a postcard to relatives that he was pretty upset about being replaced. In a hurry by the unexpected change or perhaps because of this distress, Blair forgot to hand the key to the binocular cabinet over to Officer Wilde. It might not seem like such a big deal, but you must remember that the sonar technology wasn't a thing at the beginning of the 20th century. That's why binoculars were of vital importance, because they were the only way to detect potential dangers early while navigating. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Soon after the Titanic left the port, the crew realized they wouldn't be able to open the cabinet. But it's not that they were panicked or anything. The lookouts had sharp eyesight, and the ship had been built and advertised to be unsinkable after all. They were confident that they could keep watch without the binoculars, perhaps a little too confident. Fred Fleet was the lookout on duty that tragic night the ship sailed its first and final voyage. Fleet would end up surviving the catastrophe and later told the investigators that if he had had binoculars, he would have noticed the iceberg earlier and the crew would have had more time to steer the ship out of the way. Now, most people would be thinking, how on Earth do you not see a giant iceberg big enough to take down the Titanic way before the ship is even close to it? Well, witnesses say this thing was sticking out of the water anywhere from 50 to 100 feet in the air. And it was around 200 to 400 feet long. That's almost too big to be a sudden surprise, don't you think? Well, here's where you get more links in that chain of unfortunate events that would defeat the unsinkable. Yes, the huge iceberg could have been noticed earlier even without binoculars, but perhaps in different conditions. You see, it was the middle of the night, and they were in the middle of calm ocean waters, surrounded by nothing but silence and stark blackness. No street or city lights, and more importantly, no moon when you're sailing at night on calm waters under a moonless sky. Believe it or not, it results in the worst conditions for nautical visibility. There were no waves crashing up against the iceberg to give an audible warning, and there was no moonlight reflecting off the giant hunk of floating ice to make it sort of glow. Essentially, this thing really did pop up out of nowhere, at least in the lookout's field of vision. Not to mention... It's believed that the iceberg had turned upside down shortly before the collision. It had probably lost more weight on one side because of melting, which would cause it to flip over. This, in turn, exposed its lower part, which was full of water and much darker than the upper one. Once Fred Fleet finally saw it at 11.39 p.m. on April 14, 1912, and famously reported, Iceberg right ahead! to the command bridge, it was already too late. They only had about 30 seconds to steer the ship out of the way, and that wasn't enough for a vessel this size going almost top speed. And that's where we run into another problem – the decision to try and steer around it. First Officer William Murdoch made the call, but it might've been a better idea just to ram the iceberg head-on. Surprisingly, the consequences could have been less dramatic. The bow of the ship would have been crushed, and yes, part of the crew and passengers from the front cabins wouldn't have survived. But only two watertight compartments would have flooded. With that kind of damage, the Titanic could have stayed afloat long enough for other ships to make it and save the rest of the passengers and crew. But they had such little time to weigh the options. At 11.40 p.m., the 46,000-ton ship smashed into the iceberg in the cold waters of the North Atlantic. Her right side scraped 300 feet along the ice. The hull buckled, the seams broke, and the water rushed into the damaged compartments. Thomas Andrews, the chief naval architect who designed the ship and was on board as well, confirm that the Titanic couldn't be saved. The passengers had to be evacuated immediately. Well, it was only downhill from there. Another cruel twist of fate is that there was a desperate shortage of lifeboats. With 2,224 people on board, and only enough boats to save 1,178 lives, the ship was constructed as an unsinkable one So nobody seriously believed that the boats were needed at all. On April 15th at 2.20 a.m., the Titanic sank to the bottom of the ocean. Only 706 people survived. So whatever happened to David Blair and that cursed key? Well, he realized his mistake too late. But he continued to work as a mariner and even received a bravery medal from the Royal Humane Society in 1913 Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Blair, who was first officer on that ship, jumped into the water when the man fell over the side. Although the lifeboat sent to retrieve him reached the man first, Blair was commended for his selfless act. As for the notorious key, for a long time he kept it as a reminder of the tragedy he'd miraculously avoided. Then he passed it on to his daughter, Nancy. In 1980, she gave it to the International Sailor Society, but it would be later sold at an auction held by Henry Aldridge and Son. The auctioneer said that it was one of the most valued artifacts from the ship. And who'd argue with that? This key could have completely changed history and saved the Titanic had it been on board. It was sold in 2007 for 78,000 pounds, which would be about $135,000 by today's rate. This makes this key the seventh most expensive artifact from the Titanic. On the 100th anniversary of the sinking, they sold a letter written by 33-year-old Wallace Henry Hartley, a violinist and the band leader on the Titanic. He wrote to his relatives that the ship was great, and he liked the guys from the band. He was going to come home on Sunday The next day after the Titanic was to arrive in New York, he sent the letter from Queenstown, Ireland, the last stop before the doomed ship sailed into open ocean. The letter was sold for £90,000, equivalent to $125,000 today. But the most expensive, and no doubt the most exclusive, finding is Hartley's violin. He and his band famously kept playing on deck while the ship was sinking to calm down the passengers and help them overcome panic. The brave musicians played up to the very end, and tragically, none of them survived. Later, newspapers wrote that the musicians of the Titanic were among the noblest people in maritime history. Hartley's violin was found almost immediately after the sinking, and the instrument was given to his fiance. she had given it to him as a present before he departed. After the tragedy, she passed it on to the British Salvation Army. But for almost 100 years, the violin was thought to be lost, until it reemerged in 2006 when an amateur musician found it in his parents' attic. After that, experts spent 7 years examining it and finally announced that the instrument was authentic. It was sold for a jaw-dropping price of £900,000 – $1.3 million today – Most of the people who buy these sorts of artifacts are titanic memorabilia experts and collectors with the goal of keeping such historical items safely preserved so that they, and what they remind us of, are never forgotten.